Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. It's time for Distractions with Chad and Nate. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Now, here's Chad and Nate. When we opened the show, I asked you about uh, the couple days before training camp was like the first day of school. Did you have your your bags packed by the front door and you were ready to go and you were choosing your outfit? And I was being a little uh, facetious there. But uh, the your answer, and you mentioned the phrase, you know, everyone's got a different training camp story, basically. And I'm paraphrasing a bit for, from your answer. Going into training camp, there's always these different stories because everyone has a different place on the team. For Russell Wilson, it's going to be about how quickly can I get up to speed with this coach and this offense and how quickly can I make everyone on the team uh, feel my leadership and feel my impact. Um, And you contrast that to some of these, maybe these undrafted free agents uh, who may be walking in the door. There's probably some of them who are already self-defeated, who are already looking at, man, 15 receivers? How many are they going to keep? They can't keep more than six, maybe maybe seven? How do, I, how do I even pull this off? Is it even worth my time? There are some Broncos who are going to be in training camp who are right now questioning their football future. Um, so you, everyone runs the, the, the gamut. Um, you know, in my 15-year career, uh, I think I had a, the... the uh, some ways, incredible experience of seeing all sides of it to being a young, wild-eyed rookie, um, not sure what to do in certain periods and a certain tempo. And, you know, I said at the same time I was a second-round pick, so I had a, a comfort that I was going to make the team, at least there in year one. Um, but I didn't know what the heck was going on. Uh, contrast that to, you know, years three and four in Pittsburgh. I'm coming in. I'm comfortable. I'm not quite the man. I don't have all these overwhelming expectations on my shoulders, but I'm coming along as a player, and people are talking about me as a pro bowler and this and that and the other, uh, to going to Seattle. Now I am the man. That's a 35-foot poster of me on the side of the stadium when you drive by the stadium. That's me. How, how did I get here? I'm driving down to Nike, and I'm we're designing custom shoes for me. Um, and then towards the end of my career in New England, well, I'm just hoping I make the, the team, you know, and I end up getting cut, what, six, seven times in, the, in that two-and-a-half-year experience. Um, so the, the, the contrasting experiences and the different story of every single year coming into training camp, there's a, there's a narrative, there's a story that every player not only has in his head internally, but there's also the story that he is getting a chance to write uh, or people on the team are writing about him his positioning on the team, his impact on the team, his importance to the team. Um, so every player has a chance to come in and write their story. Um, some of it is outside of your control, but most of it is in your control. We talked about there being 15 receivers on this roster going to training camp and possibly only keeping five or six. Um, maybe your story doesn't end here in Denver. Maybe your story is because you were so talented, maybe you don't crack the starting five, uh, for this receiver room, but you get traded and you go someplace else. So there's all those opportunities uh, that can come maybe some other place. So uh, the story is not 
written. Don't pre-write your story. Make sure that uh, you write your story. Don't count numbers in the room. Uh, don't count your reps. Make your reps count. Make your reps count. All those cliches, they're cliches because in the end, they actually are true. And they actually do help you with your football future. Because if you're in that meeting room and you're looking around and you're counting the guys in the room, that is a sure way to count yourself out. Uh, you want to count yourself in. Yeah, and it is hard just to worry about yourself, you know, when you do see the numbers. Because it's, 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 it is human nature to size up where you're at. And I think it's important to do it to an extent of understanding what you got to do on a daily basis to stick around. We are talking earlier about the receivers, but it happens with every position group. Don't compare yourself to the other guys, but you do want to outperform them on a daily basis. You do want to be the best guy in the room. When you're looking at those receivers, my, my philosophy as a wide receiver trying to make a team was always, okay, zero drops, zero missed assignments, zero penalties every day. Okay, so I have to be a reliable player. But on top of that, I got to catch everything that comes to me. I got to make special plays. I want that crowd that's that's come in, 4,000 strong, sitting up on that, on that hill to cheer when I'm making plays. I want to put something on film that the coaches see and, 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 and respect every day. And then you just got to grind it out. You're going to have some bad days. You're going to have some bad plays. You talk about controlling your own destiny out there. Well, what happens when 90 men are all controlling their own destiny? What happens when one guy who's controlling his own destiny faces off against another guy who's controlling his own destiny? Both of those guys have been training their whole lives for this moment. That's why we love sports, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like an immovable object meets an unstoppable force. Is that what it is? Yes. So something's got to give. Mm-hmm. But nobody sucks out there. Nobody's no. a slouch. No, no one's a pushover. Everyone's very skilled. Everyone is an elite athlete. But the the thing you discover as a, as a long shot guy trying to make the team is that, oh my gosh, like, Day one, you make a play and you realize, I belong here. You know, it's these incremental moments where you realize you belong and that buoy you and that fill you with confidence. You're going to get nicked up, perhaps. How are you going to deal with being banged up? How are you going to deal with a little tweak here? Are you going to miss a couple days or are you going to push through it? You got to be in there and and be getting treatment and rehab and you got to communicate with your training staff. You have to have a good relationship with them. They're going to hand you pills. Are you going to take those pills? Are you going to get your sleep? How are you going to eat? Are you going to eat well? Because there's going to be a lot of different options for you there. Can you eat at all? Some guys like can't eat during training camp because their stomach is in a knot. I was kind of in that camp. So when I transitioned to tight end, I would put on that weight, you know, in the offseason. Then we'd get to camp and that would start to drop off. I couldn't keep that tight end weight. That was not my natural weight. So little stuff like that you deal with all the time. But you cannot get down on yourself when you make a mistake. Because the mistakes are going to happen. Obviously, you have a goal to be perfect, but you're not going to be because those other guys are getting paid too. Mm-hmm. You're going to get smashed sometimes. Can you move on to the next play? Are you going to dwell on that? When you make a mental mistake, because there's going to be a lot of those as well. This offense is being put in for the first time, and now you got pads and a shoulder uh, shoulder pads and a helmet on, and they're hitting you, and so your mind is on a, in a different spot. You're going to make mental mistakes. Do you make the same mistake twice? Um, and so you'll have a couple of moments in practice where – it's ripe to make a play. Can you make that play? And I think that's what the coaches are looking at. They have to figure out who the playmakers are, not just the guys who can execute the plan, but the guys who can go above and beyond that, use the plan as a platform off of which they jump and fly, Chad. <laughs> yes. Who are those guys uh-huh. who are bigger than my plan? Oh, you're getting me fired up, man. Let's do this. <laughs> I love it. 
I love, but it is, it is, it is so, it is so true. You, you, you come in with this story in your head. Um, maybe some guys are overly confident. Uh, on the flip side, maybe some guys are already self-defeated. But along the way, maybe that overly confident guy gets humbled a couple times. And he gets a more realistic level of confidence. And that guy who's already self-defeated, to your point, makes a great grab and goes, okay, I belong here. I just made a catch on Pat Sertan. Yeah. Now I, they're, they're, then that confidence starts to flourish. And you can see... Um, you know, if, if it was a a video game, um, you know, and when you go and, you, and you're building your character and everyone's got all those abilities, all those sliding scales when you're making a character in a video game, you can see those scales sliding almost on a daily basis from player to player. And doing my coaching internships, we would have those kind of conversations about, wow, this guy's ascending. This guy's down in the dumps. This guy's now had three bad practices in a row. How's he going to play in a preseason game? Is he going to find talk a- about that stuff? Oh there. yeah, 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 and it's and it's noted. You know who's 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 because every day the pecking order in the room changes a little bit. Yeah, and you have to, as a coach, when you meet with the coordinator, you have to have a discussion about. Okay, we had pass rush drills today, and he'll ask you questions of if we had to play today, who's your top four pass rushers? And as a coach, I got to be able to kick that out to you, and that. Maybe number one is always consistent. Maybe it's always going to be Bradley Chubb. But it could be Malik Reed today and then Jonathan Cooper and then so on and so forth. So that that slotting changes every single day from a coaching perspective. But you as a player, you have to find a way to not ride the highs and not ride the lows to try to be super consistent. You said your goal was to not make a penalty, to drop every to catch every ball, and then what there was the third one in there, I think. Yeah, no Mr. Simons. No Mr. Simons. Yeah. Yeah. If I can do the basics at a super, super high level and then occasionally make a play, then I've done pretty good. Yeah. Because I, I didn't screw anything up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The more you can do, the more reliable you become mentally for a coach, the more comfort they're going to have putting you in the game. A lot of coaches just want a guy who's not going to screw up. Yeah. Right? And especially on offense because the, there's uh, where, you, where you line up, the shift, the motion. The assignment out there. So if you are a reliable player, you know your playbook, you know where to line up, you don't jump off sides, that kind of stuff matters a lot. Obviously, you have to be able to make the play, too. But to even get out there on the field at all, you have to you have to earn the trust of your coaches because they need to know that these guys are going to execute the plan. So execute the plan. Get in your playbook. That means you got to go home at night and crack that thing open when all you want to do is go to sleep. But um, at some point, you got to... You got to make special plays, and to me, training camp's about both executing and making the plays. Everyone's got a story. We will see all those stories and hear all those stories. Looking forward to it starting Wednesday. Training camp 2022, ready to ride T-shirts. The ride spelled with the number three. Uh, camp kicks off on Wednesday. That means it's time for one of our great fan traditions, giving away the limited edition extra soft. Man, you got to fill these shirts. T-shirts. Our next giveaway is today at noon at Breaks Plus in Thornton. Shirts are available while supplies last. Limit one per person. Our training camps are in, training camp shirts are in high demand every year, so make sure you get there early. Find a full listing of our T-shirt drops at denverfan.com slash shirt. We got Mike Kliss. He's next. Looking forward to it. It's Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. Trying to get uh, connected with Mike Kliss. Now, you had 
Well, I guess you didn't do the season with Josh McDaniels. No. Um, so, yeah, I've never had a first-year head coach in any of my stops. Bill Cower was in year two when I got drafted there, so his system was kind of already established. Um, yeah, obviously, in Seattle, uh, Dennis Erickson had been there before. Um, Mike Holmgren had been there before. And Bill Belichick clearly had been there in New England. So not quite the uh, – I don't have the, the – player background we welcome in mike Liss, our nine news bronco insider presented by bet river sportsbook mike's got an article on nine news.com talking about nathaniel hackett being a first-time head coach but there have been some successful first-time head coaches in the nfl mike how you doing buddy good what's going on let's rock and roll huh guys yes it is here man it is officially here training camp starts on wednesday nate and i are excited to be out there at uc health training center i'm sure we'll see you and i'll try to do my best mike Clist, and have uh, adequate sun protection <laughs> yeah i uh i'm i'm gonna be sunblock uh, the best sunblock by the way is from i find from walmart you know that's that's the one thing i go to walmart for is for the uh that 50 equate sunblock. I encourage all the listeners that are going out there. You can't bring an umbrella. There's no shade on that berm. There is in the can on the con, uh, concourse. But uh, if you're going to sit there and watch, um, you know, make sure you got your sunblock and a uh, nice hood covering. There you go. Yeah, I know uh, Kathy Saban of Nine News recently had a uh, some cancer surgery, so. I know that's a, probably yeah. a topic over there at the Nine News newsroom. Um, but your, your article talking about uh, Nathaniel Hackett being a first-time head coach and how that's not necessarily a bad thing. There have been some first-time head coaching success in recent history. Yeah, I, w- I was surprised. I did a little research on it um, yesterday morning, and there's about seven or eight that had uh, that had winning seasons, and um, uh, including the guy he worked for. Uh, three years ago with the Green Bay Packers, Matt LaFleur. He was 13-3 and three in his first year. Now he had Aaron Rodgers, but Sean McVay right away turned around the Rams from Jeff Fisher, went 11-5 and five his first year. And there are all kinds of questions about McVay. I think he was 30 years old at the time. But Frank Wright, 10-6. and six. Uh, Sean McDermott, first year with the Bills, uh, was 9-7. and seven. That was kind of the worst of the group I saw. But, you know, the Bills were, were pretty bad. Uh, before then. So a lot of first-time coaches um, have made a difference. And the fact that Hackett is 180 degrees different from Vic Fangio in terms of uh, disposition, personality, outlook, the fact that he's an offensive play caller, not a defensive play caller. Uh, you know, I, I think the, the lack of experience is, um, is not quite as uh, alarming as maybe I initially thought it would be. Mike, do you have any concerns about, okay, the first-year coaches is one, is one thing, but the offense that they're putting in, uh, Nathaniel Hackett clearly collaborating with Russell Wilson and coming up with this offense that best suits Russell Wilson and teaching it to these guys now for the first time. Do you have any concerns that it's going to take a little bit uh, of time to get this offense clicking, or do you, uh, or do you imagine they're going to hit the ground running? You know, I've seen some really bad offensive football from the Broncos the last six years that um, uh, my feeling on this new offense and, you know, the new personnel with the quarterback is it can't be worse than what we've been looking at. I mean, this team has struggled to score 20 points, uh, 20 points a game the last six years. They've they've ranked 25th or worse 
I think, uh, in the last six years. So I think there's going to be improvement. Uh, did it, you know, will it be as good execution wise? And, you know, will, will everything be, uh, uh, as uh, running on um, smooth gears in game one as it should be in game eight? Um, no, I, you know, I think it might get better as, as the season goes along. But, uh, you know, I think this offense is going to be better right away. And regardless of the offensive system, I mean, it's no different really from what Skane Gorillo, from what I understand, it's very similar to what Skane Gorillo had in 2019 with Joe Flacco. That wasn't a great offense. Uh, Gary Kubiak in the Super Bowl year ran a very similar offense in 15 and 16. And, uh, you know, with, with Peyton having that injury and on the decline and, and Trevor Simeon, uh, you know, a seventh rounder, uh, that was adequate offense, uh, not earth shattering. You know, I think this has got a chance to be the best uh, offense since 2014 when Peyton was last healthy. Uh, Mike, follow me on this one. Uh, I think, you know, there's certain question marks about Russell Wilson, but we also have a high level ex- expectation. And there's a track record of experience there that we think Russell Wilson's going to be fine. We're not sure who's going to emerge from the wide receiver room, but we know someone is going to emerge. Someone's got to catch the passes. Uh, the running backs, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, there's a question mark about, you know, how, are they, do they split carries evenly like they did last year? Does one guy emerge? But in the end, we know there's going to be production from the running back room. But looking at the offensive line, I would say that is the most important group on this offense and maybe even across the whole team because they have a chance to affect all those other offensive position groups and then in turn the defense as well. And there's question marks at right tackle. There's question marks at right guard. There's a new system being implemented with the outside zone system. So I see the most important group going into training camp, at least for me, as being this offensive line and how quickly they can answer the questions at guard and tackle, how quickly they can come together to learn this new scheme, which is a very uh, teamwork-oriented scheme. You need to have such a high level of unspoken communication to be effective with this outside zone stuff. Yeah, merging with that with uh, what Nate just brought up a little while ago, is, is there any concern about the offense clicking right away? The offensive line is probably the area uh, that that would be a concern because uh, this is a new this is a new blocking scheme for them, and most of these guys um, that were drafted that are returning from the Broncos from last year were drafted for a different scheme. Uh, they did run the they did run zone quite a bit under Pat Shermer. I mean, he's a West Coast guy, but Mike Chunk Mike Munchek was uh, basically a you know a gap mano a mano uh, type uh, blocker. It was more about strength than agility. Quinn Miners, for instance, um, the belly. Uh, he's a he's a force as far as his physicality uh, at right guard, but he's also a little big, and he you know he was asked to cut weight. Uh, at least 10 pounds uh, to fit into this more uh, agile, nimble-like system that uh, these offensive line uh, are going to have to adjust to. You know, Garrett Bowles, I think, um, you know, was a zone guy. He kind of strikes me as a zone guy. He's, you know, he's, he's athletic. Um, He's not a, he's not a mauler necessarily. 
Calvin Anderson, if he starts at right tackle, he would be small, uh, relatively speaking, by by right tackle standards. Uh, he's a big guy. It's kind of hard. It's, <laughs> it's kind of hard to tell a fan that Calvin Anderson small at right tackle, but he is. But but he's a good athlete. He's got good feet, and he would fit well at right tackle if you know thirty two year old Tom Compton. Uh, it would be better uh, served if he's a backup and Billy Turner with that scope. Uh, uh, isn't quite ready game one. Maybe he's uh, maybe Turner uh, scoots inside and plays a guard position. Um, you know, as far as the best five, it's going to be interesting too because uh, the coaches who believed in Garrett Bowles and Dalton Reisner and Lloyd Cushenberry and Quinn Miners and and Calvin Anderson, those coaches are gone, and it's a new set of coaches here with Hackett and Butch Berry. And Ben Steele is the assistant offensive line coach. Justin Outen, the new offensive coordinator. And they brought in Billy Turner. They brought in Tom Compton. They brought in uh, Ben Braden to uh, to compete with uh, some of these returners. I do think the offensive line, and, and we may not see it this week, week one uh, of training camp, but by week two, uh, I think we pay attention to the depth chart to see where the coaches uh, think the best fit is. Because they got a lot of a uh, lot of guys who can play a lot of positions, and they got that new system. And um, I think starting week two, I'll be interested to see if they experiment or stick with what they got. And the Broncos need to protect their number one asset, Russell Wilson. Okay, I got a quick question for you, Mike. Because the Chiefs have reported to camp, the Bills have reported to camp. I'm watching ESPN right now. The Rams have reported to camp. Why have the Broncos not yet reported to camp, and all these other teams have? You know, I don't know. Um, um, the, the Rams, I know, but because they play Thursday, so they're allowed early. They, they have a Thursday night opener, mm. and they play the Bills, so they get a couple extra days on everybody else. And then there's the Hall of Fame game. I think the Raiders. Um, I'm not sure who's playing in the Hall of Fame game. The Jacksonville. And Jacksonville. Las Vegas. Okay, so there's so so there's four teams right there. They get. Uh, an automatic jump on the rest because they play a little earlier here in the preseason or the regular season. And then, um, you know, uh, the, the Broncos start Wednesday, they report tomorrow, you know, um, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, are they cutting they, they, corners, you Mike? Get, you, you only get so many days. You only get so many days anyway. And today, and I think they take up the full allotment. Mm. Uh, maybe it does. Maybe, maybe it's not as spread out. You know, if you start a little earlier, you have to integrate more off days. And uh, with, in the Broncos' case, if you looked at their schedule, their only off day throughout camp is Sunday. It's uh, a Sunday for three straight weeks. Otherwise, they're, you know, they're practicing every other day. And so they condense. I, I think they condense. They did that in the offseason, too, if you remember. They started a little later, a week later than uh, some other teams, because they didn't want to take that week off in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. So that could be just uh, strategic. Good stuff, Mike. Looking forward to hearing lots from you uh, on these airways and seeing lots of you at UC Health Training Center this training camp. Can't wait. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mikey. All right. When we come back, uh, this defensive backs group, uh, we know about the top names, but let's discuss some of the uh, guys who haven't been talked about as much. Uh, Kwan Williams and Ronald Darby. That's next. You're listening to Chad and Nate on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. 
Hat. You're going to go full uh, English accent? I can. Right, right, tat, tat. <laughs> Snoop Doggy Dog and the Dog Pound. Dr. Uh, Dre, they're at the door. Um, that, was that your British accent? Let's, let's, let's. Doa. Yes. Doa? Doa. 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 There's various versions of English accents. They're not all consistently the same. Doa. There's, there's a bit of a W in there. Doa? A bit. A door. But if you go to the hood, it's a W in it. You're, you're doing more of a, a work in, you know, the, the Queen's Palace accent. Open the door. Yes. <laughs> that was good. Open the door. That was very good. Yes. Open the door. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, these DBs, this defensive backs group, um, Pastor Tan, know about him. Justin Simmons, know about him. Kareem Jackson, got a pretty good scope on him. But when you talk about Kawan Williams and Ronald Darby, I don't think we uh, quite the same comfort level and knowingness there. Not the same knowingness. Yes. Knowingness. Knowingness. Is different. Uh, Kwan Williams, though, great addition to the team. Yes. Since he came into the league, he's fourth among all active corners and tackles. So one thing you need in a in all, all your secondary, but your corners and your nickel corners, the ability to tackle, right? So because teams try to scheme for the people you got on the field. So if you bring in dime like you're talking about, okay, well, maybe if it's third and six, maybe we'll run it. And so if we are going to run it, we're going to put Dime in there. We got we have to be comfortable with guys who can tackle, right? And so Kwan Williams is a guy who can tackle. I think Michael Jamudia is a guy who will stick his nose in there and and try to do the physical stuff. Now, is he as good of a tackler as Kwan Williams? No, but I think he's a willing tackler. So aside from the tackling stuff, the coverage stuff is going to be crucial. Kwan Williams has the experience to be that nickel corner. We had Bryce Callahan last year, who when he was healthy, when he was out there playing, looked really good. Oftentimes looked like the best corner on our team. Um, made some plays out there, but just wasn't reliable from a health standpoint. So they upgraded that position in that regard. And Michael Jamudia had a really good offseason. He had really good mini camps. He was hurt last year, but the previous year, 2020, he, I think he had a good, pretty good season considering what he was thrown into. Yes. Um, you know, a bad team, a team that was playing this bend-don't-break stuff and, and putting these guys at 10 yards off and just, hey, good luck out there. So I think Michael Jamudia th- was thrown into the fire in 2020, played pretty well, got a lot of valuable reps. You can't, you can't replace experience. You know, you can come into the league with all the talent in the world. The more experience you have, every single play you get to be out there, you get better. And so I, I think Michael Jamudia is going to be ready to go if Ronald Darby can't be the guy out there. And I think Ronald Darby is the question mark. Obviously, you said Pat Sertan on one side. He's, he's our guy. Right. So teams are probably going to want to go to the other side, right? So it will Ronald Darby, who's making $10 million this year, be able to hold up his end of the bargain? You actually looked up, Ronald, on, on what is that? This is uh, DraftSharks.com. First time being on this site, and they literally have a body schematic and list out all your injuries. And Ronald Darby's uh, least injuries of note have all been to the right side of his body. So very interesting to see he doesn't uh, maybe his left side is not involved in some of these things. But uh, 2017 um, ligament damage uh, in the ankle dislocation. 2019 Ouch. hamstring strain grade two. Uh, 
2019, uh, missed the final two games with a hip strain. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2018, uh, torn ACL in Week 12. Uh, 2021, uh, right hamstring strain, placed on IR, missed three games. And then he missed the last two games of last season with a right shoulder injury. Okay. Uh, and just looked up the Broncos depth chart on ESPN. He is still listed with a questionable. Um, so... The injury history there, uh, and Kwan Williams has also got a, some health concerns. Um, I think makes the depth at this secondary critically important. And we start the show talking about who's going to be that sixth defensive back. Is it going to be Michael Ojemudia? Is it going to be Caden Stearns? Right. Um, I think we need both of those guys to step up with the potential health question marks about Ronald Darby and Kwan Williams. Yeah, and then you got guys like Damari Mathis, who was a draft pick. Um, kind of late round draft pick. You got Fayon Hicks. Um, you got Isang Bassey, who in that 2020 year got a lot of run as well. Yeah. Um, and then had a knee injury. He had an ACL tear. He bounced around a little bit last year, got some reps here, got cut, spent some time with the Chargers, and now he's back here. Probably his last opportunity um, to stick. And then you got Bless Austin. So, um, bless him. Bless him. So it's going to be. I, I always find those those cornerback receiver battles very interesting in camp because, like we were talking about earlier, you don't get to plan the reps you get. Um, you know, I might get two reps out of a ten play period, and none of them might come my way. So I get no action there. But you do get action in one on ones. You do get action when it's a receiver in a corner, and the corner's playing man coverage, and all eyes are on you. So. As a receiver, you really get to know every one of those corners very well, and vice versa. They get to know you, and those battles, um, those reverberate. Coaches watch those. They like to go up and, in, in, you know, if, if if Hackett's not there, if he's watching nine on seven, which he probably will be, and the receivers in the corners are over on another part of the field doing their one-on-ones, he's going to go watch those later and see who made plays. And um, corners, the same thing. Can you lock somebody down? Of course you can play zone. Mm-hmm. Of course you can play eight yards off and backpedal and keep everything in front of you. But can you step in a receiver's face who's probably bigger than you, maybe stronger than you, and lock him down? Those are some camp battles to watch. Yeah, they, they certainly are. And I know for the fan base, those are some of the more exciting periods, the one-on-one battles between the receivers and the cornerbacks. So we will get to see very clearly um, – how this offseason of praise for Michael Michael Ojemudia lines up when he's going against this wide receiver core. We'll get a chance to see, okay, Caden Stearns, you had a good rookie year, you made some big plays, now how's your coverage game going against these elite receivers or elite-ish receivers we have on this roster? Um, Those are battles we will clearly get to watch, and to your point, yeah, it happens while coaches' attentions can be focused to other places, particularly 9-on-7. Uh, those are watched and rewound a number of times in those coaches' meetings. Uh, I've been involved in those meetings um, from a defensive perspective. And, yeah, the secondary coaches are literally living and dying with those uh, one-on-one battles. And uh, I have seen receiver coaches and DB coaches literally show up in each other's offices to brag about the results of the day. So the competition is not just on the field with the players. It's with the coaches as well. You begin to take pride in your guys and what your guys can accomplish out there, particularly if you've got some young guys stepping up. You see my young fella, what he did today against your – Yeah, that that kind of conversation happens upstairs in those coaches' offices all the time. Yeah, and so if I'm a young receiver, one of those guys back on the depth chart, like at the very bottom of it, you're talking about guys like Trey Quinn – Caden Davis, Brandon Johnson, Travis Fulgham, Seth Williams, Tyree Cleveland, those guys. Every time you step to the line of scrimmage against Pat Sertan, you got to think, I have to make this play on Pat Sertan, even though, because everyone's expecting me not to, right? This is our best corner. 
Every time you step against him, find a way to make that catch, and they will remember that. And you'll be able to stick around just from plays like that. Uh, one of the uh, jokes amongst NFL uh, players in the locker room is, you know, my key card still works. Um, when we come up next, I want to talk about how you make sure your key card keep, keeps working during training camp. That's next. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. Chad, I got to jump on you here because I just want to talk about what we were just talking about okay. that to alert the listeners. You're, you are left handed. Yes. But you white with your right. <laughs> I do. It's wild. Uh, and again, I, I broke my left collarbone three times. So I think maybe in the process of those breaks, I couldn't get my left hand back there. So I learned to get comfortable with my right. Yeah. So I think that's probably an offshoot of that. Um, yeah, but I'm I'm a little mixed up. Left-handed, kick right-footed. But yes, uh, my preferred, uh, I won't even say preferred, my dominant, absolute uh Best case scenario, wiping hand is going to be right. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Cool, man. Most uh, most it, people wipe with their dominant hand. I, I think they would, but you don't. I'm a weirdo. You're weirdo. <laughs> um, earlier on the text line, there was a uh, a question of nut juice mm. question mark. Right. Right. So that comes from our previous discussions about all the different uh, nut milks I have uh, with my cereal. Yeah. Just to enlighten that that texture. So, how many do you have in your fridge right now? Right now, uh, there. I just finished up a uh, oat flax uh, macadamia mix. It was all three mixed together, um, and I think next up is a pistachio milk. Oh, how how's the pistachio milk? Um, nutty. <laughs> yes, this is too nutty. It's 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 nutty. Nut milk is nutty. It's quite nutty. Yes, nut juice. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Okay. Uh, whew, transitioning from wiping and nut milks to um, key cards. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, a lot of companies have key cards. NFL teams are no different. Every player is given one. We didn't have one. Yes. Well, nowadays. Back in the day, we didn't. Yeah. Back in the day. You yeah. just had the code to get into the player's lot. Right. You drive up and beep, 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 beep. And then you get in. And once you're in, you just walk in the door. And so as a player, if your key card works or your combo works, uh, you know, start the day, you always felt pretty good. But there was all, you know, with the key cards, occasionally there'd be a malfunction and occasionally there'd be a miscommunication with the security department and your code wouldn't work. Uh, I think they got uh, Jamal Adams on uh, Hard Knocks a couple of years ago when he was with the Jets where he, they were following up to the door and his code didn't work and he kept punching away at it. Um but how do you keep your key card or your code working uh, when you're a, a guy who's on the bubble on the roster? Uh, I'll, I'll kick that over uh, one over to you. Yeah, man. Um, you know, when you're on the bubble, every play matters. Every day counts. But it's also not a catastrophe if you make a mistake. So it's really it's about your mentality, uh, putting any mistake behind you and taking it one day at a time. There are going to be guys who drop like flies. There are going to be a lot of injuries, for example. And if you're down on the depth chart, you're going to find in, in, on day four, five, six, there's going to be guys ahead of you who are not practicing that day. That's your opportunity to get in there and get more reps. And it's tough sometimes. Like you, you, We talked about 15 wide receivers, right? There will be days when there's only seven of them out there, mm-hmm. seven or eight of them, and they're going to be dog-tired. They're going to be taking every single rep. Oh, by the way, special teams, you guys are on every rep of special teams as well. And that's going to happen in preseason games too. The last preseason game, typically, the starters don't play in it. 
And that is reserved for the guys who are trying to make the team, the guys on the bubble. And I remember, you know, I was usually that guy. Um, it was the very last season that I had, my sixth season here, where I was, I didn't have to dress that day. That was the one last preseason game of the season that I didn't have to dress in. That's when I was like, ah, I made it. And that was my last year. That just shows you how quick things change. Right. Right. I made it. No, you didn't. You're gone. So being on the bubble, every play matters. Every day matters. But if you make a mistake, it's not the end of the world. But you have to study. You have to be accountable. You got to be on time. You got to go get your treatment. And you just got to be tough, man. You got to be tough out there because you are going to get beat up. I don't know how physical this training camp is going to be, but you got to find a way to stand out somehow. For a guy who touches the ball, that's a little easier than a guy who doesn't, right? Because there are limited, like, for, as a defensive player, you can't just go blow somebody up. I mean, maybe you can, but you're going to get yelled at. Right. You don't want to put your buddy in a compromising position. You can take shots on guys coming across the middle, but that's not what practice is for. Coaches know when you're in position to do that, right? Mm-hmm. But there's no denying a guy who goes and makes a nice catch. So for the tight ends, the running backs, even the receivers, go make a nice play. Um, and then get in your playbook, man. Learn that stuff like the back of your hand so you're not the guy holding up practice. You're not the guy getting yelled at. You're not the guy who's responsible for having to do it all over again. Yeah. Um, you know, for the, most of my career, I was not a, a, a bubble guy, but I was. there was always bubble guys in my room who you, I would take a liking to. And I would explain, hey, man, you know, there's certain things that I do that, that you should do and follow, and there's certain things that, you know, you got to do them in a whole different way th- than I do. You can't afford to make any mistakes. What's an example of them having to do something different? I can go out to practice and I can practice. I can work on a move that maybe, you know, this is going to be my fifth pass rush move. So I know it's not going to be successful. So I can work on this move every opportunity today during practice. I can do that. And I don't have to win a single rep. I can just work that move. I'm just working on my move coach. Yes. And and the coach accepts that. Okay, cool. Yeah, because he's seen my spin move. He's seen my, my, my long arm. He knows I can do all these other things, so I get the he's opportunity. He's seen your long arm? That's, come on, man. <laughs> yes, that, he's seen me drink my nut juice. <laughs> With your long arm? <laughs> With my long arm. Yeah. Um, but he's seen me do these things, so I've got the leeway to do that, whereas you don't. Right. Your pass rush reps are less about practice and more about production. How productive can you be today versus me, who I get to go out and practice? So that would be a difference in the approach. So in pre-practice is where you need to work on your moves. So if you need, if you want me to come out there with you, or if you want to grab the assistant defensive line coach and go out there and work on your stuff before practice, that's when you do that. Don't take your limited reps or your limited opportunity to go, yeah, man, now it's time for me to work my double spin. No, it's not. You got a double spin? Or you fake the inside spin, you do the outside spin like DeMarcus Ware did uh, that famous clip that's going around. Okay. On the, yeah. So there's that. Um, I do have a double spin. Uh, well, it's really a spin and a half. But that's not the opportunity for this young guy, this bubble guy, to do those things. So, yeah, do not experiment and practice. Your, your practice reps are more about production than my practice reps are. I've got a track record of production. You want to check tape? We can check tape. I got tape to show you don't have that opportunity. So all the coaches know is what you do every day. And if you do dumb stuff where, you know, when I was with the New York Jets and I wasn't a coaching intern there, I had a young guy who I had to to talk to like three weeks in the camp. I was like, dude, you missed the first week because you were injured. You got in a fight in week two. You got kicked out of practice. 
And here in week three, you jumped offside three times and you blew three assignments. That's what I remember from you from the first three weeks of training camp. That's not good. Show me some production. Show me some actual football. You did stuff that's got that I can get anybody to do. Come on, man. So those kind of production notes and memorable plays that you can stick into your coaches' minds, that's how you keep your key card working. That's how you make sure your, your combo to the front door works every day when you show up to the facility. Yeah, one thing I'm looking forward to, the last four months have been all about Russell Wilson and his and his production team putting out Russell Wilson content, right? The only thing we've had to talk about is that kind of stuff because it's been coming down the pike every day. And it's sleek and it's slick and it's well-produced. But now it's not about that anymore. The content is going to be on the football field. And there's going to be no production team involved. We're all going to get to see it. And there's no way you can spin it. So let's all go out there and become a football team. It's about the Denver Broncos now. And that's what's exciting me. Uh, Yeah, the proving grounds are about to start. The hypothetical grounds, the hype grounds, that's over. Go out there and prove it. Uh, Matt Smith and Stokely, those guys are next. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.